Welcome to the FHE Podcast, hosted by Amy and Maddie. We are the Fruity Horny Exmos. Hello, this is Editing Amy. Just want to let you know that I was not sober when I set up the audio and microphones and everything for this episode. That is why the quality is less than what I desire it to be. Um, hopefully you'll stick around and still listen to the episode. It was too good for us to re-record, so that's why we're still putting it out. But just know that Sober Amy will be the only one setting up the audio equipment going forward. And now we know. But anyway, enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. It's me, Maddie. (laughs) And I'm here with my almost wife, Amy. That's cute. And we haven't recorded in a while. (laughs) Also, if you hear scratching, it's our cat. Sam in the background. <laughs> Sam! Okay, Sam, that's enough. Hey, we get it. That was intentional. Anyway. Hello. I'm also here. <laughs> anyway, Amy's also here. The cats are here. Um, but yeah, we, we've been... never recorded in a while. Yeah, we have not. A lot's happened. <laughs> a lot has happened, but that's okay because um, we're back. We're back, bitches. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, so a lot's happened. Um, I got my bachelor's degree. I got a new job. I... That's it. That's it for me. Um, Amy? Um, I... <laughs> this is too much. I had some health things that I learned about and have been dealing with and... So that's fun. Don't turn 30 is the moral of that story. <laughs> um, and also just don't have my genetic makeup. But um, but it's fine. And um, I'm dealing with it and it's fine. But that just took a lot out of me mentally for a while. And then, we, yeah, we just had a lot of good things happen. And like oh, for Maddie nice. and then... Now I'm looking for a new job, and that's a whole thing. So it's just uh, been a crazy time. But we recently, with um, White Cat Prophecy, if you're a fan of our show and you have listened to that episode with him and um, with Ben and Carly. Carly. But we threw this like ex Mormon sleepover weekend thing at this old like abandoned church sorry that sounded that was wrong no you're not abandoned abandoned. (laughs) sorry this old this old church converted into an airbnb in the middle of fucking nowhere in eureka utah (laughs) and it's honestly the coolest it's just it's such a cool place we just had like the best time yeah did you say what it was called it was called outer darkness Amazing. And it truly was outer darkness. Yeah. Like, just like a fucking party, you yeah. know? <laughs> it was really fun. It was. And we want to do it every year. Hell yeah. And I feel like, yeah, this was like a good starter year mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but it was just such a good weekend. We talked about it and how we kind of felt like it was, it felt more like a family reunion. 
Yeah. Um, Even though most of us didn't know each other. Yeah. Some of us did already, but... Yeah, not very many. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just so easy to, like, get along with the people that were there. And mm-hmm. it was just a good time. So, it was so fun. Yeah, we're ho- like Maddie said, yeah, we're hoping to make it an annual thing. But we'll see how next year looks. But yeah. anyway, so we've just been really busy. But Outer Darkness was great because it reignited our passion. Yes. To get back into the podcast. So we're calling um, the first 20 or so episodes the first season. <laughs> this is now first season. The, the season finale. Or sorry, yikes. The season. <laughs> season two. This is, yeah, the premiere of season two. There yeah. it is. So anyway, we're going to kick it off with a bang. Eh? Get it? Well, you will in a second. Uh, <laughs> I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> so for Outer Darkness, uh, White Cat or Ben and I went to DI or Deseret Industries, a thrift store. If you, <laughs> if you will, if you don't know what that what that is, it's the Mormon thrift store, basically church run, church owned, church money. We went and just like there's always so many religious books and religious there's just like religious touches all over but we found just like such good books that we took to outer darkness and (laughs) one night for some inexplicable reason I don't even know really how it happened the first night but I like ended up reading half of this book it's like 70 some pages (laughs) I I read the first half of this book out loud to the people at outer darkness and yeah it was just like you know a little bedtime story yeah and um it's definitely not a bedtime story but it's, but it was cute it was cute it was cute to be with everyone and have yeah read it. it was it was pretty fun it was a good time yeah so anyway um so i wanted to kind of like learn a li- little bit more about the man who made this book, who wrote this book, and and then just go through some of the, you know, the highlights. Because there are so many, you guys can't see, but there's so many like, little flags in my book. And it's a small book. It's like, again, like 70-some pages. <laughs> yeah. But it it's full of wisdom. <laughs> you know what? It is. And I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> We're going to learn more about that. But if you want to, you know, for some godforsaken reason, buy this book. It's called, And They Shall Be One Flesh, A Sensible Sex Guide for the Bride and Groom. It was written in 1968 by Dr. Lindsay R. Curtis, who is a man. Mm-hmm. Um, just for, you know, a little bit of a time frame. He was born in 1916 and died in 2006. Um, He was the very first resident in OBGYN back when the medical school at University of Utah was newly formed. Whoa. So a long time ago, for many years, he authored a nationally syndicated newspaper column called For Women Only. Right. <laughs> Written by a man. Also. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. He also wrote a book previous to this one 
called Pregnant and Loving It. I, when we first read this book at Outer Darkness, I didn't know that he was an OBGYN. So this makes a lot more sense why he wrote a book called Pregnant and Loving It. Still creepy, but a yeah. slightly less creepy. Yeah, I still don't like it. No, the name's whatever. awful. I'm like, what the fuck would you know about it? Mm -hmm. You'll never be pregnant. I don't yeah. care if you're a fucking doctor. Shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I wanted to go see if there were any reviews for this book. There were not that many. Um, okay. Again, considering it's a book written in 1968. But I did find two that I thought were worth mentioning. So here's this one. It was written in 2014. Way too Way recent. Too, yeah. Um, and it says, I got this for my sister after she got engaged and her and her husband read it together. It's a great book. Very sensible and realistic. <laughs> realistic. Okay. Uh-huh. Interesting. And then this one was the most recent one written in 2016. And it said, my husband and I read this book 28 years ago when we were engaged to be married. And we just purchased it so that our son and his fiance could read it before they got married. The book contains timeless, straightforward, accurate information provided in a sensitive manner by a respected medical doctor. I would highly recommend it. Okay. I was like, your poor child yeah. got this book as like a gift from his parents. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so... This, honestly, it could be a two-part episode. Unclear, because it just depends how quickly we get through it. But I feel like we're going to get caught up yeah. on a lot of the things that I have notated. So, <laughs> it could be. So, we'll if, we'll it's, if there's a part two, come back for the rest next week. Yeah, um, but stay tuned. I guess we'll find out together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, mostly my notes are just like, read page 14 sticky. <laughs> Okay. So the first one I have is read the forward sticky. Okay, so oh my God. I'm just going to read the forward because it's short and it's fucking weird. Okay. If you are one of those individuals who feels that sex is dirty, if you believe that sex is undiscussable, if you think that sex is unimportant, don't read this book. Forget <laughs> it. It'll be a waste of your time. On the other hand, if you feel that sex is God-given, Vital to a successful marriage, if you are convinced that sex can be and should be that marvelous part of life that welds inseparable bonds between a man and his wife, then this book is for you. If you also feel that sex is something that requires love, tenderness, compassion, and skill, then this booklet will help you and your wife to greater love, understanding, and unity. Hopefully, you will achieve these noble goals. The author. Okay, the drama. <laughs> Oh, this whole fucking book is so dramatic, too. <laughs> I love that it said skill. Yeah. It takes skill. It takes skill. It talks about technique. Actually, a fair amount at some point in the book. But the, also the fact that it's directed toward the man. Do we think yeah. a man's going to actually read this book? I was going to say that. I feel like, if anything, the wife is going to be like, Honey, we should read this book. Yeah. You know? And she'll read it and tell him about it. Yeah. That's what will happen. Yeah. Realistically. But yeah, of course, it's like you and your wife. Disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I might not read a lot of things from different chapters, but I'll still say the titles of them because they are gold. So the first <laughs> chapter of this book is called The Solution to the In-Law Problem. Basically just saying, get the fuck out of your parents' house because you can't really start 
Oh, you can't start a successful marriage if there's too many people in the canoe. Super fucking weird. I mean, that's... But also valid. Yeah, no, that's, like, a good point. But the way that he talks about it is more about, like, the sexual relationship between... Yeah, exclusively the sexual relationship. Yeah. Like, I think he kind of mentions, like, your parents shouldn't be involved in your business. Yeah. But mostly... How are you going to have sex if you're in your parents' house? Exactly. Like, easily. (laughs) (laughs) Watch me, Lindsay. So that's pretty much the whole first chapter, which is like two pages. So they're pretty quick. Chapter two is called Communication No Comment. (laughs) (laughs) Right Right as always, always, Lindsay. (laughs) Anyway. In this chapter... I'll just read this snippet. Everything else was just whatever. Um, <laughs> it was boring. Just like, you have to talk to each other. It's like, what? obviously. Why would you go? But this uh, little okay. snippet mm-hmm, says, it's a rare couple that precedes their con- connubial. What? I don't even know what that word means, actually. Me either. I think it means, like, fucking. Mm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. That precedes their fucking with a shared soulful supplication to their God, but doesn't find complete mutual understanding. Kneeling together at bedside, arm in arm, there comes no closer communication than this sacred moment with their maker. So they're not even communicating with each other, they're just praying. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it says, if our courts were to simply lock many of the divorced demanding duos in a room, and tell them to stay until they compromise their problems and could come out arm in arm, they would undoubtedly do it. What a simple, naive way of thinking. Like, we'll just lock them in a room until they can compromise, and then yeah, they'll be fine. No, and also, like, Mormons are so afraid of divorce. They really are. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's strange. Like, I don't even know really what the issue is, but I remember, like, hearing so much about divorce yeah. when I was a kid. Like, with, and I didn't even really realize it until I was started reading these books, and they're just, like, referencing so yeah, they talk about many it times time. about divorce. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I get it. Like, I don't think anyone wants to get divorced like no, going into you, a marriage it's it's you know that's not the goal but, but yeah if it's it not what you think. out if it's not a good time there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. i think that's a good thing to do you don't want to force it yeah i think it's great if you don't get divorced but also if you get divorced okay yeah exactly so it's just i don't know it's just super strange um and just very naive like i say but um, well, he is a doctor. I don't know what that means. <laughs> don't include that. Okay, I won't. I don't know where that train of thought was going. He's a doctor of... Um, he's an OBGYN. Yeah. Not, doctor of pussy. Not relationship. <laughs> pussy he's a, doctor. He's a pussy doctor. Pussy doctor MD. Doctor. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> pussy doctor MD. Okay, anyway. Okay, so on to chapter three. It's a, like, like, like we said, it's a quick read. Um, but chapter three is horrible. Okay. And it's called A Sin Greater Than Ingratitude. 
Oh no. Ingratitude. Yeah. Okay, what is this sin? <laughs> so, unfortunately, but also fortunately, I kind of have to read a lot of the chapter because it talks about um, this couple and I can't really say what they say without the context. Okay, so okay. Um, just bear with me. And again, this is kind of why it might be a two-part episode. I have a feeling it will be. So by all the usual standards, Sid is successful. He is branch manager for his firm. And this undoubtedly is only the beginning of the upward ladder as far as his ultimate potential is concerned. His wife, Marty, with an I at the end, enjoys a spacious home in the better part of town, a home that is graced with tasteful but expensive accoutrement. <laughs> what was that? Accoutrement. <laughs> Sid commands the respect of his employees and is president of his service club. His family consists of three dutiful, intelligent children who almost worship their father. Sickness to this family is practically unknown. Cool. Wow. Great, happy for you. Yeah. Guys. What more then could Sid possibly ask from life? Let Sid tell his own story. Yeah, let's see what Sid has to say. <laughs> Sid, so Sid came into my office and said, Doctor, I love Marty very deeply. I'm sure you know that. I feel safe in saying that she loves me also. Yet I can't go on living with her in the way we are and still maintain any dignity or self-respect. <laughs> I don't believe that I'm oversexed or over-demanding, but a man just doesn't live with a beautiful wife whom he adores and have to treat her like a sister. I don't mean that Marty refuses to have intercourse, but she has a way of making me feel like she tolerates it only for me. And this she does begrudgingly. I feel like a beggar instead of a lover. Yeah, probably because you don't know where the clit is. <laughs> Why would she want that? Yeah, like... You're not, it's not good sex. And also, you're a prick, Sid. I can already fucking tell. So, shut up. Okay, so, at night she goes to bed early and feigns sound asleep when I come to bed. Or else she refuses to come to bed with me. On the ruse, she wants to watch a certain television show. Or she's too tired. Or has a headache. Or something else. And all of this after she is chased around all day doing things that she seemed to have plenty of energy for. I wow. forgot that part. I can't believe that at the end of the day, she's tired from doing all the things at the home. Mm -hmm. the kids. Yep. Like. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is stupid. I no. Just had, like a moment of rage. Yes. <laughs> I know I saw it in your eyes. That's why I just stopped talking. Because <laughs> I knew you were going to say something. Mm -hmm. Um. In short, Doctor, what she is saying in her heart is this. If you want it, you'll pay for it. I have to beg and plead for affection. It's so humiliating that I'm not sure I can take it any longer. Marty, on the other hand, was in the office this week with a different side of the story. Mm. Interesting. Let's see what Marty has to say. Marty. Doctor, he doesn't know where the clit is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And he's and the doctor's like, I don't either. I don't either. He's an OBGY. I'm a pussy doctor. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. You want, you want your pussy doctor to know where the clit is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, anyway. 
So this is what Marty said. Sid just wants me for someone to sleep with. That's all he thinks of. Why doesn't he get those childish things out of his mind? Yeah, that's so childish of him to want to have sex with me. I fucking hope not. <laughs> Yikes. <clears throat> the truth proved to be somewhere in the middle. But the real problem could be summed up in one word that nurtures many different facets. That word is... Any guesses? No idea. You in, not ingratitude. Because that's the sin next to it. The sin greater than. Oh, greater than. It's rejection. Ooh. God forbid. Oh, no. Wait, rejection? That's a sin? No, not actually. Uh, it's just like how they're like, the sin next to murder is what? Masturbating or something? I don't know. I've heard it's masturbating. I've heard it's being gay. And I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure. Being, or having uh, premarital sex. I'm pretty sure they've said that about all of them. Yeah. So... So yeah, it's just like a made-up bullshit saying. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, but rejection begets humiliation. Humiliation espouses resentment. Resentment builds into hatred. And the marriage built on love now finds the same two people working against each other. Oh, no. oh dear God. Okay, so how did they actually come to reject each other? So Sid, it seems, failed to notice and appreciate the little things Marty did for him. Like a special dish for dinner, flowers on the table, an extra effort to clean up the mess after the children, to look nice when he got home. The many, oh. I know, the many spats between the children that Marty settled before Dad got home may have been unknown to Sid. But if he had just told Marty a little oftener. Oftener, okay. How he's much, a doctor. He's so smart. How much <laughs> he loved her. If he had just noticed a few of the little things and told her how proud he was of her, such thoughtfulness would have been, would have revived her waning morale. This guy's so dramatic. Waning <laughs> Also oftener. Yeah. Oftener is just truly horrendous. Um, but after being, <laughs> quote unquote, rejected repeatedly herself, Marty began subconsciously to get even with Sid in a way she knew would hurt his own morale and confidence the most. No sex tonight, honey. That was Amy, not Dr. Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> um, by denying him intercourse, Marty destroyed the self-esteem that a man should have, the knowledge that his wife wants him and needs him. Disgusting. Sid, on the other hand, because he was hurt, complimented Marty even less, even though he subconsciously knew that she needed this extra attention in order to get back at her for rejecting him. Thus, they went on their merry and very unhappy way, rejecting each other more and more, and doing everything they could to make each other unhappy. So then Dr. Lindsay talks to him, tells them they have to put in effort to make their marriage work. I don't know why this OBGYN is saying this. This feels strange. Yeah, why would Sid go talk to him? Yeah, like, I, I didn't, unless back in the fucking 50s, OBGYNs were also basically just marriage counselors. I mean, maybe he was like their bishop and also happened to be an Probably. OBGYN. Which, think about that. Wouldn't that be gross? Yeah. Your bishop has seen your puss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's disgusting. Ew. And how could Sid go and be like, my bishop knows exactly what her puss Ew. <laughs> Never say that again. <laughs> <laughs> this said that Sid didn't really want, need, or expect intercourse as often as he as often <laughs> as often as he requested it. But a child wants candy badly only if he can't have it. 
If it were all around him for the taking, he would soon turn his back on it. On the other hand, Marty was also a normal woman with normal desires which were not being fulfilled. <laughs> Just like the juxtaposition of those two different like perspectives. Like Yeah. If he just has if he has sex all the time, then Yeah, he won't like, want it. If she's always willing to do it, mm-hmm. no matter how tired she is, or if she has a headache or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I, it? I finished that sentence like in my head and with my eyes looking at you. <laughs> I know, I was like, hello, what? I don't know. Um, no, I but totally. And what's funny is that that very idea that you just had is completely talked about the opposite direction later in the book, where it's like, you can't say no, basically. But then this is, it's just like, it's mixed messages, ain't it? Yeah, I'm confused. As all of us are. All right, so that's the end of chapter three. Now we're on chapter four, and it's called, And They Were Not Ashamed. <laughs> Classic. This book definitely came first, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is the prequel Mm -hmm. to And They Were Not Ashamed. It is. Yeah. Have you read that? No, I want to. Me either. Yeah, it's on our list of possible topics. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's hard because this book, it's so short, so it's not that hard for me to just like read on the pod, but just like every line of this book is terrible. Yeah. So it's really hard for me not to. I'm trying to paraphrase, but I think you guys get it already. And it just gets worse somehow. It's already bad. Yeah. This chapter starts off saying, my wife doesn't undress to go to bed. She merely changes clothes. <laughs> so complained one husband to me concerning his spouse. Dear, dear God, she changed into her pajamas. Oh, no. She doesn't just take her clothes off. Also, again, why are these husbands going mm-hmm. to talk to Dr. Lindsay? <laughs> the pussy doctor. Ew. It says it on the door. Pussy doctor MD. <laughs> no. No. Um, my husband insists that we sleep in the nude all the time. And he isn't as careful about modesty around the children as he should be. Such was the objection from a 31-year-old woman who continued, I'm no prude, but... This is carrying things too far. Isn't there any place for modesty after marriage? <laughs> That's pretty good, eh? That was actually really good. Thank you. Um, yes, there is place for modesty after marriage and even in the bedroom. Although the two cases above may represent the two extremes, there are many situations in between these two that cause some problems. <laughs> One of the best investments after purchasing a double bed is to buy an electric blanket with dual controls so that husband and wife may share the same bed without one making the other uncomfortable. What does this have to do with modesty? You'll see. One, Just one sec. This might also solve the problem of the first case mentioned so that she would not have to wear so many clothes to bed. <laughs> oh, or does yeah. she do it for another reason? Get a, an electric, electric blanket. blanket. So you sweat her out. You sweat her out. Yeah, you sweat that bitch out. (laughs) Ew. Yeah, or she could be doing it for another reason. What could it be? Naturally, when two people are first married, there's a certain amount of curiosity to be satisfied. 
This is understandable and perhaps desirable on the part of both, but each should respect the privacy of the other, especially when it comes to certain physiological functions. Each will desire complete privacy from the other and from children. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> However, there is a time during which man and wife belong to each other. It is difficult for them to be as one flesh if they have clothing between them. Within the sacred bonds of marriage, this is neither sensual nor is it evil or nasty. Hey, wait, it's not it's sensual. Not, it's not sensual. Sensual? <laughs> is that what I said? Yeah, you did. Sensual. Not sensual? <laughs> it's not sensual? Not <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, it's not sensual, apparently, but that's not what he says later. So, again, contradictory. Also, belong to each other. Disgusting. But it's, it's not sensual, but it's also not evil or nasty. This is the one time during which God-given emotions and feelings should be given full and complete expression. There should be absolutely no thought that the act is wicked, forbidden, frowned upon, or that it is giving vent to abnormal or beastly tendencies. Oh my god. <laughs> so, yeah, just like, you know, leading up to your marriage. It is evil and nasty. Yeah. But the second you get married, the switch flips. Yeah. And it's fine. Cool. Yep. <clears throat> and also beastly. Yeah, don't like that. Like, that only animals want to have sex. Mm -hmm. A wise wife clothes herself just enough to leave something to her husband's imagination. For an imagination can picture her even more beautiful than she really is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What? <laughs> You're Even more beautiful than she actually is. Uh-huh. That's so funny. An appropriate sheer negligee enhances mm. the beauty appropriate. Of, of the nude body. Like soft screen improves a photographer's portrait. Okay. <laughs> Needless to say, both husband and wife should be modest around their children. Although there are some who feel they should unabashedly parade in front of their children in any or no attire in order to teach them, quote, about life. What? Experience does not seem to be in their favor. There is an appropriate time and place and atmosphere in which to teach young people about life. And in most cases, this is best done in the home and by parents. But it is not done by ignoring social customs and molars. There is no excuse for discarding all semblance. Discarding. <laughs> there is no excuse for discarding all semblance of refinement and culture. While men are usually the worst offenders in this respect, when a woman becomes coarse, she is, to most people, disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting woman. Hell yeah. Yeah, sign me up. Sign me up to be a disgusting bitch. <laughs> Ew. Um, also, I was going to say, when he says teaching the kids about life in any or no attire. Yeah. What What does that even... Those two things don't... <laughs> I think it means, like, the, the negligee. I think it, I think what he meant to say was like any inappropriate clothes or naked. Yeah, but like why would you wear like 
if if they're trying to teach their kids about life. <laughs> I think you can teach them about life while being clothed. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it seems pretty straightforward. I completely agree. <laughs> completely agree. Yeah. I will say, though, my parents did walk around in their garments. Yeah. Yeah, I also see my parents in theirs. Yeah, my parents did it, like, every day. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. My, you know, like, you know, here and there. I, I could see my mom's ass, like, every day. Like, because the butt flaps, because they had the one pieces. Oh, yeah. Yeah, awful. Dead. Yeah, so it was like, this shouldn't be yeah. done. You should not do this. She was just trying to teach you about life. I guess and... so, and I wish she would have taught me a lot of other things instead. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually kind of sad. Like how to do my hair. Oh, it's okay, I can do your hair. I know, that's why it's perfect. <laughs> okay, so just the end of this chapter... And trust me, there's just so many more horrible things that are going to be <laughs> happening in the next couple chapters. But it says, if a husband wishes to cuddle up to his wife and to lovingly, quote, feel her presence beside him, a wife should feel flattered. However, mm. this does not have to be in the constant nude. That which becomes commonplace often becomes uninteresting. How about you just do whatever the fuck you want? Yeah. And... <laughs> if you, I'm just saying, if your spouse is expecting you to sleep nude every night, yeah, absolutely not. That's what if I'm that's cold? A, that's kind of abusive. Yeah. So, so chapter five is called preparation pays. Feels like a threat. Yeah, it does. Oh, also, I was gonna say, what are the rules <laughs> after you get married? Are you then allowed to masturbate? If Sid is like. My wife won't put out. Then just, like, take care of it, you know? Yeah. No, it's <laughs> definitely frowned upon. Okay. Um, and, and we'll hear some fact about that later in the book. We'll hear some fact about it. Shut up. <laughs> we'll hear more about it later in the book, but, okay. yeah. So, this is another um, example of a couple named Bob and Betty. Okay. So, Bob and Betty had gotten t- married two days ago. And they had left for an, ex- an extended and long planned for a honeymoon, but it abruptly was terminated so she could return home to see Dr. Lindsay, plus Dr. MD. Their two nights together had turned out to be anything but the grand and glorious bed of clouds they had thought it was going to be. <laughs> two days into it? <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Much to the consternation, embarrassment, frustration, and total disappointment of Bob, and to the terrified, hurt, and benumbed Betty, they had been been completely unable to consummate their marriage. Dear God. Oh, no. That's a normal thing to happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Betty decided she had made a mistake to marry at all. She had no idea a man looked like that. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Bitch, you gay. If you're like, ugh. <laughs> you think about it, Betty? Yeah. Oh. Um, and it was so painful. Bob, on the other normal. hand, mm-hmm. found that in spite of tenderness and gentleness on his part, she simply would not cooperate. Oh, Awful. On. Cooperate? I know. 
Now then, how might this unfortunate beginning have been avoided? What did they fail to do? Wherein had this intelligent young couple gone wrong? <laughs> Not only was Betty a virgin, but she had never had a pelvic examination in her life. Her mother had told her only one thing, that sex was nasty and she should keep hands away from her lady parts. Yeah, exactly. She had also been told that nice young girls don't use tampons for menstrual protection oh. because they are harmful. <laughs> I mean, they can be, but yeah, not taking away your virginity. All it ever, all it ever takes is education. Like yeah. all of this is education, sex education, like health education. Like that's all it is. Mm -hmm. It's all literally every single problem. Yeah, but Doctor Lindsay, Pussy Doctor MD, says the truth is that nice young girls can be cleaner and more sanitary if they will use tampons. Such protection will allow them greater freedom with all activities, including sports, and cultivate the healthy attitude that this is not a, quote, sick time at all. Oh, good. Okay. Women may carry on just as they normally do with unrestricted activities. Mm. I'm like, cool. So, so someone who has never experienced a period mm -hmm. is going to sit there and tell women, <laughs> um, you're fine. Rub some dirt on it. Just use a tampon. Yeah. But in addition... Tampons teach women about their anatomy and help to prepare them for marriage by stretching the hymen. And then he chose to put in parentheses next to hymen, maiden head. Ew. <laughs> I hate that word. I underlined it so I don't remember it. <laughs> I hate that word so much. I, it's disgusting. Yeah. Maiden head. Ew. Ugh. Um. <laughs> 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 tampons prepare the way. So how big are your tampons? I, I mean, I mean, it, maybe he has a pencil dick. I don't know. That's true. Then that's all you need is a tampon. <laughs> she won't know until the first night. That's true. Maybe it was, and that's why she's like, I know it looked like that. Listen, he has a good point with like you know tampons mm -hmm. teach people about their anatomy and whatever. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah, tampons are not the same size as dicks. No. <laughs> None at all. So, anyway. Yeah. So, tampons prepare the way, so to speak, enabling the doctor. Sorry. He writes this so weird. Okay, I'm just going to read the whole sentence again from the beginning. Okay. By stretching the hymen, or maiden head. Ugh. Why did you have to say it again? <laughs> tampons prepare the way, so to speak, enabling the doctor on premarital checkup to perform a more adequate examination. He then, under local anesthesia, can stretch the hymen further, if necessary, to avoid the painful and tra traumatic first night of an otherwise heavenly honeymoon. Okay. <laughs> Does this stretching of the hymen rob a girl of her virginity? By definition, a virgin is a woman who has not had sexual intercourse. Stretched hymen or not, the girl's virginity is preserved. Thank God. I was really worried. Um, let's talk about another question. Should the engaged couple read a good book on the sexual side of marriage together to help prepare them? Although this is a choice that each couple must make, I do have an opinion. You have a lot of fucking opinions, I mean, Dr. He, Lindsay. He literally wrote a book. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Clearly, we know what his opinion is. <laughs> Truly. One of the reasons a girl and boy decide they are meant for each other is the fact that they can talk together. This means they can talk about anything, and they usually do. However, when it comes to studying the intimate details of married life together before they're married... 
This they sometimes find difficult to do, and those who do so sometimes find it takes something away from the actual experience of being married. After all, <laughs> this experience comes to them only once in their lifetime, hopefully, in parentheses, if they... <laughs> Okay. If they have explored all of the possibilities beforehand, even vicariously through a book, much of the thrill may be gone. <laughs> yeah, if you read about it, it's not as exciting. Mm -hmm. It's the same. It's the same as sex. Yeah. Ripped all those smut people. True. Us included. Okay. You just outed us. I think they know. How would they know? We're literally called horny Exmos. <laughs> okay, you got it. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> An important part of a honeymoon is the opportunity of the bride and groom to learn together. In fact, this is the purpose of the honeymoon, to allow the couple to go away into complete seclusion and privacy while they do learn together. If they've tried to learn this beforehand, even by reading about it, some of the thrill may be lost. Ideally, a couple should have a brief, very much to the point handbook on the sexual side of marriage to take with them on their honeymoon. This they can read together as they learn. And may I repeat again, because of its importance, the bride-to-be should have a complete examination, including a pelvic examination and preparation of the hymen before marriage. As far as counseling on the social side of marriage, this is often best done by a spiritual advisor. Is it? Mm -hmm. He can best encourage them in the necessity for unselfishness, consideration, and kindness. Cool. Yeah. Um, we should probably get a spiritual advisor before we get married. <clears throat> Technically, I did, for no reason except to see how easy it was, become an ordained minister. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about So that. I can be our spiritual advisor. Okay, I can advise you spiritually. Solo. Great. Just you and me. Okay. <laughs> you just winked at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was the end of chapter five. We're going to read two halfway in the book, and then there will, in fact, be a part two. <laughs> Confirmed. 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 So uh, make sure to come back for part two because it's going to be fucking crazy. So chapter five is called Preparation Pays. Chapter six is called And Vice Versa. Don't know what that means. Okay. Secretly, every man thinks that he is God's gift to women. <laughs> is that the first sentence of the chapter? Yeah. <laughs> Secretly. Yep. Mm -hmm. okay. Too often during the dating stage, he has been treated this way. Jesus. It is only natural, then, that he takes the love, honor, and obey very literally, and even points in, isn't this what I've been trying to tell you, finger of the passage, wives, submit to your husbands, from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Ew. Sorry. Understandably, a man thinks that just because he thrilled his wife with every kiss before they were married, that with no further concern, he will continue to do so after they are married. Such might continue, but only if he works hard at it. Before marriage, a man is on his best behavior. He is out to impress his girlfriend. He is congenial, generous, clever, if he can be, conversational, tender, and almost Ugh. over solicitous. Solicitous. <laughs> and almost. <laughs> and almost over solicitous. Every gesture is so maneuvered that it will impress her favorably and prepare her to be thrilled when he kisses her goodnight. 
Small wonder then that when he finally gets around to that much-awaited, much-planned-for goodnight kiss, that she is ecstatic, floating several inches off the ground, convinced that she is being courted by an impeccable lover, a gallant knight with flawless manners, a gentleman to the core, an unselfish... Okay, you're done. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I'm just just how I'm saying it? No, just like he keeps going on and on. I know. This fucking guy I'm like, is. you're gay, Dr. Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying, right? He's just like an impeccable lover. Like, okay. Ew. An unselfish, sacrificing future husband who will always keep her on a pedestal and place her wants and her desires far above his own. Who could possibly refuse to love, honor, obey, and submit to such a mate for the rest of her life? Some men have managed to preserve such an unearthly image, but none that I know personally. That didn't even need to be in this book. That sentence didn't need to be in here. That made no sense. However, there are many men working at it, and these are the husbands whose wives still love, honor, cherish, and are thrilled not only to submit themselves, but these wives cleverly and subtly maneuver their husbands into submitting also. Is that so? I guess I guess so. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he had a happy marriage. I I'm gonna guess no. Yeah. Husbands. Just because your sweetheart has two rings on her finger does not mean that you cease to open the car door for her or that you no longer find ways to please and surprise her. It doesn't mean that you stop complimenting her on her appearance, her sewing, her cooking, yes, even her cleaning. In fact, (laughs) if you're smart, you help her with the latter. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, because you live in the house too. Yeah, you piece of shit. (laughs) Anyway, when a man has a wife who becomes unromantic. He should first look at himself. Here are just a few comments by wives who have lost the glamour of romance in their marriage. Why can't he shave and use a little cologne first? (laughs) He always takes a shower before he goes to work in the morning. Why not before he goes to bed? He's disgusting. I added that he's disgusting, but it's probably true. Yeah. He finds fault with me all evening, then expects me to go to bed and be romantic. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Listen, I'm on her side. Honestly, I'm on all these women's side. Yeah. He sits and reads the paper or watches television while I do all the dishes and fight my way through putting the children to bed all by myself. Then he wonders why I'm too tired and exasperated to respond to him. Yeah. He's a fucking idiot. (laughs) That's why he's confused. Um, He is so stingy with money that he takes away all my self-respect. If he would just give me a small allowance that is mine to do with as I please, and for which I don't have to answer and explain to him, I might even spend it on something nice for him. But when he approaches me now, I find only resentment building up. That's financial abuse, sis. Yeah, allowance? What what year were women allowed to get their own, like... Bank accounts or cards or whatever? I'm not even sure, honestly. But I feel like it was before this. I feel like it was after. Really? Yeah. You think it was like in the 70s? Maybe. Let's look it up. I'm busy. Your phone's over there. No. Um, Look it up, audience. (laughs) Yeah, how about you look it up? (laughs) You look it up for once. I'll look it up after this because I just want to know. But Okay. Um, We don't know, but... It's very weird. (laughs) 
He seems to find money for golf, bowling, fishing, and for guns, but he never has enough for just a few things to fix up the house. I think I'll go to work so I'll have my money to do with what I want. And then he wonders why I can't get thrilled with him in bed. Thrill. <laughs> you don't thrill me, honey. Sound kind of like Elvis. <laughs> yeah, you, I did. Yeah, you did. A little less conversation, a little more action, please. Is that his song? All right. We don't know. <laughs> although these barbs are directed at the husband, there are counterparts, although less often in certain lives. I forgot how bad this one is. I thought it was later in the book, but it's not. It's right here. The commonest complaint. This guy's stupid. Commonest? Oftener commonest. Wow. Amazing. A doctor. So the commonest complaint <laughs> in a wife is overweight. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Native Hawaiians want their wives to be fat, and our hats are off to them if this is their custom. But here on the mainland, custom and social preference demand that a woman avoid those ugly extra pounds. It is possible for everyone, without exception, to lose weight and to maintain a given weight. All it takes is the proper motivation. Yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. and oh it goes on for another paragraph oh sorry that's okay if a woman or a man for that matter wants to be thin more than she wants to be fat she can lose weight if she is motivated more in the other direction i.e enjoys eating more than being thin then she will not lose weight i mean if that's if that's how it is don't you think that people just like in a movie wouldn't be fat yeah then? If it was that easy, <laughs> then everyone would be thin, according to them. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you're a doctor. Yeah. You're a fucking <laughs> licensed medical practitioner. Yeah. And you're writing in a book that you all don't have. Yeah. All it takes is motivation. Yeah. If you want it enough, it'll, it'll happen. Yeah, apparently. Perfect. And, you know, if you like eating food, you should stop doing that. Stop eating food. <laughs> you should want to be thin more than you want to eat food. I wonder... Shut the fuck up. Also, I looked and his wife looked a little overweight. You're joking. No. Yeah, not a happy marriage. No. Like, he's was, a piece of shit. She was she had a, She clearly had ED. Yeah. And not erectile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> Just didn't want to confuse it. Yeah. Also, we should have put a trigger warning. I'll put it in the description. Yeah. Should have put a trigger warning about that. It just snuck up on me, so. Cleanliness is occasionally a complaint. A woman should learn the art of marital hygiene, including yes. douching prior to intercourse when she has an unpleasant discharge. Curlers may have become a necessary part of modern life, yet some women find ways to accomplish this when their husbands are away or change their hairstyle so they won't need them. I have no idea what that even means. Yeah, is he saying that's a good thing or a bad thing? I don't even know if he knows. Honestly, I don't um, know. Also, douching is not... No. Not something you should do. Again, an OBGYN wrote this book. <laughs> Terrifying. Tobacco breath, along with halitosis, can be challenged by mouthwashes and sprays, at least prior to going to bed. This was in the 60s, late 60s. Mm-hmm. Weren't they supposed to have stopped smoking a long time before this? 
Joseph Smith. Oh. <laughs> it's like the word of wisdom. Oh, I didn't know what you were saying. No, they should have stopped a long time before. But interesting. Tobacco. In, yeah. It. In conclusion, may we suggest that if husbands and wives seek only to please each other, there will be no need for either one to submit. What? <laughs> I don't even know. Okay, this is the last chapter we'll read on this episode. Okay. Um, because, and just know that there are some fucking crazy... I'll read... Before we go, I'll read the rest of the chapter t- chapter names, just so you know what you have What's to look coming. forward to. Yeah. But uh, chapter seven is called Rejoice with the Wife in Thy Youth. Okay. I don't even remember reading this one at Outer Darkness. When I read it, I was like, hmm, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I remember this. Well, yeah. But also, I was not sober, so... <laughs> So again, another situation, but this time it's called, it's, uh, it's with Jill and Jed. Okay. Jill was just 26, pert and pretty, sparkling jet black eyes, flashing a fascinating contrast to her ivory white teeth. <laughs> Unfortunately, her chin quivered as her lips fumbled nervously for words to express her awkward situation. I love Jed with all my heart, and I'm sure he loves me just as much. Perhaps that's the trouble. It might be easier if we didn't love each other so much. But we just can't go on like this. We have one child, and we are not ready for another one yet. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, if that is the only problem, I started to say, you don't understand. Jed is very religious and determined to live as he should. When we went for religious counseling before we were were married, our religious counselor told us that we were never to have relations unless we wanted a baby. In fact, he said there was to be no thought of what he called sensuality in our relationship. (laughs) Our marriage has been one great nightmare of frustration. Yeah, you bet. That, to me, seemed to be the understatement of all time. That's the Dr. Lindsay. Either they had misunderstood the religious counselor or the religious counselor had lost a tooth out of his mental gears. Yeah. Don't even know what that means. I guess lost I do. Lost a tooth out of his That's what they call gears. the little like spokes of the gear, I assume. Yeah, tooth. Teeth. Okay, well it felt weird. You lost a tooth. Shut up. Don't act like you knew that. <laughs> I mean context. <clears throat> It's fine. I didn't didn't use the money. Until right now. For no one in his right mind could possibly counsel a young couple in this way. However, it does bring up an interesting facet of marriage. Is it normal, natural, and moral to enjoy intercourse? Mm, (gasps) Dear God! I doubt that the Lord would have made it so had he not in his great wisdom intended it to be that way. In this manner, he made sure that the race would propagate itself. Okay. Like a plan. Should a couple enjoy intercourse even when they don't think it will result in a pregnancy? It scarcely seems necessary to discuss, yet there are some religious advisors who equate anything sexual with evil. Sex itself is not evil. Sex is God-given and God-intended for marriage. And a marriage without proper sex adjustment usually is far from what the Lord intended that union to be. I really don't feel like the Lord's like, yeah, let them have good sex. Make babies. Like, just weird. Like, religious people are more obsessed with sex than anyone else on the planet. Yeah. Like, it's really strange. Rejoice with the wife in thy youth is um, from Proverbs. 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 
It's from Proverbs 5.18, um, is what the Bible tells us. And there is nothing to indicate that the sexual relationship within the confines of marriage should be anything but a pleasurable, beautiful, serene experience in which a man and woman reaffirm their love for each other. To relegate sexual intercourse to the single purpose of procreation is to equate it with the same act in lower animals, since this is the only purpose in other than human beings. That's literally what it's written like. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Yeah, I like zoned out. I say, I was reading it, <laughs> zoned out. Surely the Lord did not give us the intelligence as well as the strong sexual emotions merely to taunt us naturally. He expects us to use good judgment and to control these instincts. He also gave them to us knowing that they could weld a bond between husband and wife that would give stability to the home. To answer the question, is it wrong to enjoy intercourse? Absolutely not. And if it's not enjoyable within the bounds of marriage, then the couple needs some help and counseling. Yeah. I know. That's the thing. Is like <laughs> probably less than 10% of this book is, is accurate. Mm-hmm. Sad. So um, that's the first half of And They Shall Be One Flesh. <laughs> But I just want to read what the next couple okay. chapters are, just so you know what to look forward to in episode two. <laughs> so um, the next chapter is called Setting the Stage, and he really loves metaphors. He does. Um, I feel like everyone does. Like the general population? <laughs> just forget it. No, I need you to tell me what you meant. <laughs> I just mean, like, I feel like Mormon people. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, they totally do. I'm I'm with you there. I'm with you. I'm, with you. I'm right there with I'm you. I'm right there with you, bitch. <laughs> okay. Yikes. Anyway, okay, yeah. So setting the stage, then the woman's role, oh. then the man's role. Oh, great. <laughs> And I will just say the woman's role chapter, six pages. The man's role, three. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Yeah, so that says a lot. And then chapter 11's finally the sex act. Thank God. The act. And then um, the last two chapters are about, one's about contraception. And the last one is mostly misconceptions. Basically the frequently asked questions portion. Cool. (sighs) So... I can't wait to do those ones because those ones are truly yeah. I'm I mean, excited to hear about what the woman's role is. Yeah, all six pages. All six pages. Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking crazy book. I'm so happy that I found another copy because <laughs> I I had a copy at Outer Darkness. Um, and then we played Bingo. And then we played Exo Bingo. <laughs> and yeah, someone at Outer Darkness picked it as a prize. Obviously, it's a. It's a good one. It's a very good one. Yeah. So, anyway, well, that's it for this week's episode of the FAG podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, review, whatever. (laughs) I've bought so many books. (laughs) You have so many. From fucking DI and, like, Facebook Marketplace and shit um, that I'm slowly going through. And the fact... The fact that we have so many Mormon books in our house is actually kind of scary. We should count them and see how many we have. 
we should make it like a contest. Ooh. That'd be fun. Be like, how many books do you think we have in our house? And then they could win something. Yeah. Let us know what you want to win. And, and, or like what is reasonable and maybe we'll do it. Maybe. Very cool. (laughs) But yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Anyway, so we have a lot of things. I'm really excited. Um, we are this season going to do the episode that we've talked about so many fucking times. So many times. But we are going to do the episode about the electroshock therapy. Mm Mm-hmm at BYU with an interview that we did with one of the participants and also reading the dissertation. So lots of exciting things to keep an eye out for as we get back into doing the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. My brain stopped working. Yeah. Um, Anyway, follow us on Instagram at the FHG podcast. (laughs) Um, Did you want to? Oh yeah, we do. We still want to do the um the manifestation. Nah, it's always hard to think for. I know, but yeah. we yeah we can come up with a new season two outro. Outro, yeah, yeah. Well, TBD on the outro. But anyway, <laughs> um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Come back for part two of And They Shall Fuck. Just <laughs> and they will be and one flesh. And it came to fuck. <laughs> Sorry. I'm having too much fun. Anyway. Okay, see you next week. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.